setting it up. Hallelujah. Well, today, like I told you, I want to talk about keys to an effective prayer life. Now, when you talk about the topic of prayer, there is so much ground you could cover on prayer. Amen? Uh, You could go in so many directions. Um, There's so many different kinds of prayers. There's the prayer of faith, prayer of intercession, prayer of supplication, prayer of consecration. You know, the if it be thy will prayer. Amen? And so... But I'm not going to go into each one today. Uh, For each of those prayers, though, there are certain principles for each kind of prayer. You understand that? And we'll get into that uh, in in further services and stuff like that. Uh, For example, let me just touch on this, the real basic one. Don't try using the rules of the prayer of consecration, the if it be thy will, with the prayer of faith. It doesn't work. It's like going on a basketball court trying to play soccer. It's not going to work. Right? Amen. So don't, the prayer of faith never has, if it be thy will in it. All right? Now that's as far as I'm going to go by discussing the different kinds of prayer today. But today, the keys that I'm going to talk about, they're basically general guidelines for any kind of prayer. Now what is prayer? Prayer is simply communication with God, Right? Uh, asking him, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. In the New Testament, notice, well, I'll get into that in a minute here. You can pray or you can say. You can pray or you can say. I'll get into that later down the road here. Just stick that in the back of your memory bank. Amen. But we need to know that tremendous power is available to us as Christians through prayer. Can you say amen to that? I mentioned a while back that some things won't take place on this earth unless a Christian asks for it in prayer. Certain things will not come to pass in your life unless you ask, unless you activate it by prayer. You know, some Christians think that God will do anything he wants, anytime he wants to do it, and we have no part in it. That's as far as from the truth as anything that could be far from the truth. Amen. You know, some, some people think that, oh, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pray for this. Uh, if God wants it to happen, it'll just happen. Well, you're going to be waiting a while, brother. You're going to be waiting a while, sister, because this is a partnership between you and God. Now, uh, if that were the case, if you didn't have to do anything, turn with me to Ezekiel 22. If God would do anything he wants any time, without any participation on our part. Let me just run you through a couple scriptures and you tell me what you think after these. Amen. See, we got to stay in line with word, the word of God, with scripture. Amen. Stay inside the boundaries of the word. You'll save yourself some heartache. And you'll get some blessings that you've never gotten before when you start to get light on these things. Right? Ezekiel 22 And look at verse 30. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Says this. God said this. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. That my friend, is talking about the prayer of intercession. Fill in the gap. Now, why would God put a scripture in there like that? If human participation didn't matter a lick, why would he say that? Why would he even look for someone to fill the gap? I'll tell you why. Because we are supposed to participate in this thing. Amen. Matthew 9, 37. You know, it's just like uh, Jesus, the Bible says that he died for the sins of the whole world, didn't it? Say he died for the sins of the whole world. Well, is the whole world saved? No. Why? Because there's something human has to do to tap into that blessing. Right? Same thing with us. We need to tap into the power of prayer because there's a blessing in it. Matthew 9, 37. Verse 38. Then saith he, 
Then saith Jesus unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, or ask the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into his harvest. Now, that implies to me, why would Jesus even tell us to pray for it? If we didn't have any participation in the matter, wouldn't he just do it? Well, we know it's God's will for mankind to be saved, right? But Jesus here gives us a principle in the word. Pray ye therefore that God would send laborers. That's implying if we're not praying for it, it's not going to happen. Did you catch that? Are you starting to see just out of these two scriptures how important prayer is? So, you know, you're waiting on God, but God might be waiting on you to do something. Why? We'll get into that. Genesis 18. How about where Adam, or I'm sorry, Abraham pleaded with God not to destroy Sodom? He said, God, if there's 50 righteous in this city, God says, all right, if there's 50, I won't destroy it. Well, Abraham started to sweat a little bit, you know, in Sodom and seeing all the filth. He said, God, if there's 40, all right, if there's 40, I won't destroy it. How about if there's 30, 20, 10? He went all the way down to 10. For some reason, Abraham stopped at 10. But God was, you see a partnership in that. Well, we know the story. Sodom was destroyed because there was not even 10 righteous in there. But do you see that Abraham pleaded with God to take it down all the way from 50 to 10? That's, un- that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, what if he wouldn't have done that? I mean, obviously, God put that scripture in the, his word to let us know or to give us a clue of something. What's that clue? That prayer is powerful. And some things might not happen unless you ask for it. Look at all the times Moses pleaded with God not to destroy the Israelites for their sin and rebellion. Right? Uh, Moses turned the, the tables around on that many times, didn't he? Right? Um, James 5, 17 and 18. Turn there. I'm staying real general today about prayer, and I want, I'll dig into it more. But I just felt like I needed to stay kind of general today to give people uh, a foundation. We need a foundation, don't we? Right? James 5.17 says, Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and earth brought forth her fruit. Three and a half years it didn't rain. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. Right? I mean, that, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? How about Daniel chapter 10? God gave Daniel a vision of the end times. And Daniel was so perplexed by this, he prayed, he called out to God and said, God, give me, revela- give me wisdom on what you're trying to show me here. Well, look at Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. The angel, when he finally made it to Daniel, said this. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine ear to understand and to chasten thyself to God, or, you know, to God, talking about prayer and fasting, thy words were heard, and I, came, and I come for thy words. An angel was dispatched the, the moment Daniel lifted up a prayer. It didn't say that God sent. It didn't say he hearkened unto God. It doesn't say there that God told the angel to come. No, it said when you prayed or when thy prayed. He goes, the the first day that you prayed, I was dispatched. And then you go on and read verses 13 and 14, and it shows there that this angel was held up for 21 days by a demonic spirit or the prince of Persia. An evil spirit, right? And so this, he wrestled, and Daniel stuck in there 21 days praying this thing through. What if he would have given up on the 20th day? What if he would have given up on the 20th day? Because it said on the 21st day, 
It says, Michael, the archangel, came and helped. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it good to know that we have angels, God's angels on our side? If you're a Christian, you have God's angels at your dispatch. That can be dispatch in your situation. And it said they were dispatched the first day that he prayed and sought the Lord for understanding. Which shows me this, get this, that angel was coming to give revelation or understanding to what God showed him. But Satan tried to hinder the revelation. Remember I talked about Paul's thorn? It says, Paul said, lest I be exalted above measure. Right now you guys are all sitting down. You're all at your normal plane. But how many of you know when you get a revelation from the Holy Ghost, it takes you above measure, above the natural plane. It's not talking about pride in that verse. Paul got revelation from the Lord and it was taking him higher spiritually. And it, then it said a messenger of Satan came to buffet him. Why? He came to buffet him to knock him back down after that revelation came. Satan doesn't want us to get revelation on God's word, God's will. Did you catch that? So, was prayer important in that? Yes, I would say so. Now, um, see, some prayers require perseverance. Some don't. See, that's what I'm talking about. There's different rules for each kind of prayer. The prayer of faith does not require perseverance. If you say two prayers of faith, you said one in unbelief, right? Some prayers require perseverance, pressing through like Daniel there. He pressed through, he stuck with it, and the answer came. But some prayers you don't need to press through because that, might de that demonstrates a lack of faith, right? Oh, there's that F word, faith, amen. Faith is important. Come on, right? This is a faith church. God's a faith God. We're faith people. We live by faith. We walk by faith, right? Amen. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 3 9. 1 Corinthians 3 9. First Corinthians 3 9 says this. It says, For we, who's we? The body of Christ, Christians. For we are laborers together with God. Underline that. Laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Notice right there, that one verse shows us that God's looking for a partnership. Amen. God is looking for a partnership on this earth. And uh, laborers together with him. Part of that laboring together is through prayer. Part of that laboring process with him is through prayer. So uh, listen to me. God limits himself. God, you know, so you hear some people say, oh, God can do anything. He can... Listen to me. Listen to this statement real clear. God chooses to limit himself according to our prayers. He's the one that set this into motion. Don't blame me for preaching this, right? God set this in motion. He limits himself according to mankind's prayers on this earth. So... Uh, See, God has given us, humans, authority on this earth. In fact, to make it legal for Jesus, the Son of God, to have authority on this earth to redeem, redeem mankind, he had to become a man. He had to put on an earth suit, if you will. To have authority on this earth, you have to live in a physical body. Why? Because God gave authority to mankind on this earth and even God himself didn't break that law Jesus had to put on an earth suit to redeem mankind through his shed blood amen. do you understand that amen now 
One of the most important keys to effective prayer is found in Ephesians 6.18. Turn there with me if you have a Bible. Ephesians 6.18. This is one of the most important keys you will ever learn as a child of God how to pray effectively. It says this, praying always with all prayer. Notice it says all prayer. What you talking about, Lord? Well, there's different kinds of prayer, like I said. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Stop right there. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You could say it this way. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, being led by the Holy Spirit. Key number one, if you want an effective prayer life, you must be led by the Holy Spirit in your prayer life. How many of you know if the Holy Spirit shows you something to pray for? There's a purpose behind it, and if you obey what the Holy Spirit's showing you, fruit's going to come forth from that. Is that right? Amen. Do I have to convince you anymore? <laughs> Amen. When you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to see fruit. Now, the Holy Spirit is our guide. He is our leader, right? If you go, on a, you go and, and take a tour of, of somewhere, the caverns or something down in Kentucky, you have a tour guide. He always stays in the front, right? Be led by the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. He's our leader. Amen. Uh, he's our teacher. He will teach you how to pray in a certain situation. Um, next key. So key number one. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. He'll show you what prayer is needed for that time. Right? Um, number two. You must know that faith must be present when you pray. You must know that faith must be present when you pray. Turn with me to James 1. Turn with me to James chapter 1. I'm going to be looking at verses 5 through 8 that are, are so clear, so clear, that I don't know how anyone can't see this in the Word, who, who dispute that, oh, faith this, faith that. You're... Go to James 1, 5 through 8. This is so clear. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraids not, or doesn't hold back, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man or that person think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Uh, can it get any clearer that God demands faith when we come to him? Right? It's a, you can, I can even go a step further and say, you can even tell that individual, you're not going to get anything from God with that, you know, praying like that or, or if you're going to speak unbelief like that. Right? Said so you even have the authority to say that. Tell him. He's not, that person's not going to receive anything if you don't come to me in faith. Now, which brings me uh, something else here. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. Impossible to please God. Hey, is there anything God can't do? You know, you hear people say, Oh, God can do anything he wants. No, he can't be pleased without faith. <laughs> he can't be pleased without faith and well that's a whole other sermon on its own is the things that God can't do and won't do he won't bless sin right he won't do it he's not going to bend just for brother Wayne over there right he won't do it that's a whole other teaching right there though um, hallelujah but listen to truly have faith for a specific thing you need to know some things from God's word first. Why? Because the word of God 
backs our faith. <laughs> Listen, Romans 10, 17, turn there with me. Hallelujah. As I was studying for this, I mean, this scripture really jumped out. You know, like I said before, we just read over the scripture sometimes so casually. But then, when you take time to really chew on the word, the meat of the word, greater dimensions of that scripture open up to you, right? Listen to this. My point is, to truly have faith for a specific thing, you need to know some things from God's word. Why? Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want you to notice that faith comes from hearing the word and nothing else. Anything outside of the word of God that you're basing something on, it's not faith because there's nothing to back it. Then it's just a hope, <laughs> right? Faith comes. It can only come from hearing the word of God. Which leads me to my next point. Point three. You must know that faith is not hope. Faith is not hope. Go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. First Corinthians 13, 13. Of course, that's the love chapter. And I'm going to be reading from that shortly other parts of it but listen to this first corinthians 13 13 right at the end it says and now abideth faith hope and charity or love notice that this word of god right there separates faith and hope faith is not hope hope is not faith right uh hebrews 11 1 turn with me over here point something out to you Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice, it says substance. Now, now faith is the substance or confidence Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. You know it belongs to you. You can only have faith for something that you found in God's word that is promised to you. Now, there's the gift of faith. Now, that's, total, that, that's a gift of the Spirit. Let me just say this real quick, whole other teaching. But personal faith and the gift of faith are not the same. The gift of faith means that, that the Holy Spirit implants a special kind of faith in you to receive something that's not necessarily promised in the word for your specific situation. I'll get into that at a later time. Just stick that away in your memory. The gift of faith, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of faith is separate from personal faith. Okay, But listen, there is no substance, no confidence, no evidence in hope. Did you catch that? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives substance or confidence to the hope that you had. So faith is not hope and hope is not faith. Don't try to confuse them. Don't pray. There's no prayer of hope. <laughs> There's no prayer of hope. Amen. That hope has to turn into faith. Now, but I want you to notice there, like I was getting ready to say, I want you to notice that hope is in the equation of faith. Look at Hebrews 11.1 1 again. Now faith is the substance or confidence of things hoped for. Hope must be present to bring you to faith. Hope causes a person to search the scriptures to see what belongs to them. That's biblical hope. Biblical hope will always put something in you to search the scriptures and to find out if that thing is in the word. When you find it in the word, now that hope can be turned into faith, into substance, into evidence to receive. 
Hey, hey, faith receives, hope doesn't. But I don't want you to minimize hope. Just don't try to replace faith with hope. Right? Just don't try to replace faith with hope. Amen. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, hallelujah. Go to Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three through twenty four. Now this next key that I'm going to share with you is probably going to border more along the lines of the prayer of faith. Okay, but. Still, faith is essential. When you come to God, you've got to believe that he is. Not the I was, but he is. Amen. Now listen to me. Mark eleven twenty three through 24. Jesus said these words. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Notice, you believe you receive when you pray. Not before, not after. It says when you pray. The moment that you pray, you got to believe you got to believe something's being released in the spiritual realm. Are you, catch, are you following me now? I'm talking along the lines of spiritual terms. You know, it's interesting uh, in, in 1 Corinthians where, where Paul's talking about spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, talks about babes in Christ, you know, you know the baby Christians. Paul made a statement. He said, I couldn't speak unto you spiritual things because you're babies in the Lord. Amen? So, I'm talking on spiritual terms now. You following me? We need to grow. We need to feed on the milk of the word so we can grow thereby, right? Believe you received your answer when you pray. It says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe. Now, so before praying for something, Knowing this, that at the point we say that prayer, the Lord expects us to believe we received when we pray. Maybe before praying for something, you ought to get into the word, build your faith up for that thing you're going to pray for. I've seen too many people who pray for something. They didn't have a lick of faith when they prayed it at first. And then they start digging into the word after they pray. But that's not scriptural. <laughs> it would do some good, some common sense for us to get into the Bible. Find scriptures relating to that particular thing that you can back your faith on. Substance, evidence to back your faith. Right? And then when you, you feel built up enough, you're, you're on those scriptures, you're confessing the word, now pray for it. Because now you can believe when you pray. Does that make sense to you? Hallelujah. There's something else I thought I wanted to pull out of that. Let me just take a moment here. Yes, thank you, Lord. Now, it's interesting to me that verse 23 talks about saying. Remember I mentioned in the new covenant you can say or you can pray? <laughs> They're along the same lines. Notice in verse 23, Jesus is talk, saying, if you say unto this mountain. Why? Because saying is a form of prayer. Because you're exercising your authority in Christ. Notice in verse 23, it says, if you shall say unto this mountain. It's, all, it's say, 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 say. And then you go down to 24. 
And you know they're connected because Jesus says, therefore I say unto you. Therefore means the verse before is connected to this one. <laughs> Are you following me this morning? Look at it. Therefore I say unto you. And then he talks about praying. Say or pray. Either way, exercise your authority in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Next key. We need to walk in love. No bitterness, no unforgiveness. And stay out of sin. There's that three-letter word again. <laughs> you know, turn with me to Psalm 66, 18. You know, I actually heard, I don't know what church it was, it's not in this area, but I heard of a church that wouldn't talk about the blood of Jesus, wouldn't mention anything about the blood of Jesus because they don't want to offend anybody by using the term blood. Give me a break. You can see how much they value the blood of Jesus, right? That's what the Hebrews calls, they're counting the blood of the covenant a common thing. Don't make that mistake. Amen. The blood of Jesus is holy. But anyways, we can't be worried about people getting offended. In fact, you know, when I came to the Lord and I heard messages that changed my life, I was offended. <laughs> I was offended when I heard it. But guess what? I took it to heart and I changed. Why? Because it wasn't the word of man, it was the word of God. And the word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So that kind of offense is good. Amen. If you're offended, I'm glad. Make a change in your life to get on course with God. Amen. Psalm 66, 18. Look at this. The psalmist said this. Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. If I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin can block your communication path with God, right? Uh, turn with me to Proverbs 28, 9. You know, people say, oh, but you're, you're being judgmental talking about those issues no because it's not my message it's God's message Amen. I'm just the messenger the preachers on this earth are just the messenger you as Christians when you go and talk to someone about the Lord or issues and confront them about issues you're just the messenger right just the messenger it's not your message so don't get offended when someone you get persecuted for for speaking the word because it's not your message. It's God's message. Right? Just be obedient. Do what God tells you to do. Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law or hearing the word of God, even his prayer shall be an abomination. You've got to love the word of God. You've got to have a desire, a hunger, a thirst to learn more and to feed on God's word for your prayers to be effective. If you're not loving the word, your prayers will make it as high as maybe to that ceiling fan. Amen. Right? All right. Now, Mark eleven twenty-five. Now I just got done reading 11, uh, 23 and 24 in Mark 11. Well, let's go a couple more verses down. See what it has to say about unforgiveness, bitterness. Are you all there? Yeah. All right, listen. And when, this is Jesus speaking, mind you. Amen, this is Jesus speaking. Words are in red if you have the red letter edition. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And that's all in connection with prayer. 
your communication with God. If you're holding bitterness and unforgiveness, forget it. Then the prayers might just get as high as this, right? (laughs) Won't go very far. Then you're just wasting your breath. If you're throwing up prayer, the only prayer that will make it up to the ears of our Heavenly Father if you're in unforgiveness and bitterness is a prayer of confession of that sin. Other than that, he doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear it because it's just vain then. You're tying our Heavenly Father's hands when you're holding on to sin, bitterness, and unforgiveness. And remember, he will not, he cannot bless sin. That's just a principle in the Word of God, right? Go to James 5.16. This is interesting. I, 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 with this one that I'm going to share with you, I never seen it like this before until last night. And I don't know why. I guess it just has to do with sometimes we just read things casually and we just keep on going without meditating on that word and letting the Holy Spirit show us and take us deeper and show us deeper truths, how to apply it, right? Look at this, James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another or confess your sin one to another and pray one another, uh, for one another that you may be healed. This part. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, when I've, I've always thought where it says, you know, confess your faults one to another. Okay, and then you're supposed to go find someone. Let's go find someone who's, who's uh, really righteous here, who can pray for me. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? Or woman, excuse me. Avails much. The Holy Spirit revealed this unto me. You know who the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is? The one who confesses their faults. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. Why? Because that person is now, after they confess their faults, they're put back in right standing. So it's not all about, oh, confess your faults and just expect to stay in sin, and I'm just going to have brother, brother Bucket Mouth over here pray for me. Someone who's real spiritual pray for me, and I can continue just to stay in sin. I can live like the devil, but I'll just find Benny Hinn or someone to pray for me. <laughs> you know? No. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, that righteous man is the one who confesses their faults and gets right with God. Mm-mm-mm. Unbelievable. The Holy Spirit can just take us so much deeper into the Word. But are you open to Him? He wants to take us so much deeper. I just want to encourage you, take more time on your Bible study and just take a scripture, read it, meditate on it. Just think about it for half hour or something. Let the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will open it up to you, I'll tell you. He will open things up to you and show you how to apply it. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 7. And you might want to circle verses 4 through 7 because that's the definition of love. Biblical love. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Now, I'm reading the King James and it says charity. But where it has charity, it's talking about love, okay? It says, well, I'll just put love in where it says charity just for your sakes. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek her own. It is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity or sin, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, we need to walk in love. And if you're not walking in love, you're in sin. Let me say that again. 
If you're not walking in love towards your fellow man this morning, you're in sin. Because anytime we cross the boundary of love, you're stepping on the side of sin. And I will say this, your relationship with, with your heavenly father is in direct proportion to the people on this earth. Your vertical relationship is in direct proportion to relationship with others. That's why the Bible says that he who hates his brother is in darkness. Because if you hate here, there's a ceiling right over top of your head. And your relationship with your heavenly father is stunted. Amen. Now, look at verse 6. I've got to show you this. The Holy Spirit jumped something out at me last night about this. It says that love rejoices not in iniquity or sin, but rejoices in the truth. Right there it calls iniquity or sin deceiving. And then it says the truth. You, did you catch that? It says the truth, but the opposite of that in that is talking about sin. And the point is, sin is deceiving. Did you figure that out yet? Sin is deceiving. Hmm. It'll pull you, pull you off course quicker than whatever. Sin is deceiving. Don't go there. Now, Matthew 18 Matthew 18, oh, I love the word of God, just puts us back in line, gets our thinking straight from the junk of this world that tries to come, all these mindsets and all these, the trash of the world, when we get into the word, it's the washing, it cleanses us, amen, hallelujah, now, Matthew 18, Look at verses 15 through 18. It says this. Moreover, well, let me see. Yeah. It says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass or sin against thee, trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verse 18. Listen to this. Powerful. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want you to notice that's in the context of walking in love, walking in forgiveness toward your fellow man. It's saying this. It's saying if you're going to walk in love and unforgiveness, heaven's bound from helping you in your situation. But if you walk in love and forgiveness... Heaven is loose. Blessings can be loosed on your life. Now, I want you to notice this. Something else here. Notice this, that something happens on earth before it happens in heaven, according to that verse. Something happens on earth before it happens in heaven. Now, can you tie that into prayer now? Something has to happen on earth before it happens in heaven. Daniel had to pray. Something, a human activated his authority on this earth through prayer and something happened in the heavenlies. Did you catch that? That, that, that is a, a principle that we ought not to forget. Some people say, oh, God will do it when he wants. No, he'll do it when you start doing your part. Because it's a partnership. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're walking in love and being a doer of the word, God can now bless you because of your obedience to him. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. Now, husbands and wives, 
If your marriage is on the rocks, your prayers will be hindered. 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7. Don't expect to treat your woman like dirt <laughs> and expect your prayers to be answered. Right? 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, if you're not giving honor to your wife, your prayers are hindered. Amen. And they all said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians 5. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be doing my job as a pastor, right, if I didn't bring in these family issues. Amen. That goes with anything. You treat your children like dirt. Don't expect God to bless you. Don't expect your prayers to be answered. Uh, Ephesians 5.25. It says this. Five, Ephesians 5.25-29. through 29. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Look at that. Husbands, love your wives. Even as. That means love your wives equal to as Christ loves the church, us, and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. He that loveth his wife loves himself. You know, and that always kind of, I was like, what do you mean he that loves his wife loves himself? And the Holy Spirit said, well, haven't you ever heard that they, they too shall be one flesh? Amen. So the way, you know, that you're loving your wife, that's in direct proportion, husbands, the way you love yourself. Right? And that's a whole other teaching. Brother Wayne and I were talking about that. It's very interesting getting into some things about that, which we will in the future. Stick around. Amen. Now, the next point, and I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. Make sure the words that you speak are agreeing with your prayer. Make sure the words that you speak after you pray for something are lining up with what you prayed for. What do I mean by that? Wives, don't pray for your husband to stop smoking and then say, he's never going to quit. <laughs> See, the Bible calls that double-mindedness. Where you're, you pray for something, you pray for someone to turn around, you pray for something, but then your words totally are opposite to what you prayed for. Double-mindedness, hence double, <laughs> double-mindedness. And so we have to make sure that our words are lining up with what we prayed for. Remember that story about, or the account about Zacharias? Him and his wife were praying to conceive a child. And we know later on John the Baptist came from them. They were even praying to, receive a ch to be, conceive a child. They were old in age. Then an angel of God appears and said, Hey, God's heard your prayer. You're going to get what you asked for. And then he says, well, how can that happen? We're too old. Come on. An angel was even right in front of him telling him this. Amen. So, so just make sure your words aren't canceling out your prayer. Right? And mix praise and thanksgiving into your prayers. Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Making good time here. All right, we'll be out of here by about three, so we'll, we're doing good. Now, uh, mix praise and thanksgiving into your prayers. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. Or in other words, hey, don't stress out about anything. Don't have anxiety, right? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
let your requests be made known unto God. You know, let's try to be a little thankful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When we pray to God, let's acknowledge him, who he is. And that's a whole, uh, that's a, I'm going to be getting into the Lord's Prayer. You know, so many people think, oh, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer, you just recite it. You know, Jesus was just giving us a word-for-word -word model. No, 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 no. What he was doing was giving us examples and a structure of what we are to pray for. Right? Now, I'm not saying it's bad. Go ahead. You can repeat the Lord's Prayer and, you know, uh, as much as you want. Just don't do any Hail Marys or anything like that. But listen, <laughs> listen. Mix praise and thanksgiving into your prayers. Go to Psalm 100, verse 4. That's where I draw the line. Hail Marys, right? <laughs> okay. Now, uh, Psalm 104 says this. Enter into his gates. Whose gates? The Lord's into his presence enter his gates with thanksgiving so it says to even come into his presence the, even the outward even to get through the gate there needs to be thanksgiving all right and then it says and into his courts with praise so go a step further than thanksgiving give him praise it'll take you into his courts It'll take you deeper into his presence. How many of you want to dwell in his presence? How many want to remain in his presence? Amen. Amen. Well, to get through the gate, you got to have thanksgiving. Now, if you want to get a little closer, add some praise to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Add some praise to it. Glory to God. It says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Amen. In fact, you know, uh, Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits or dwells in the praise of his people. Amen. Interesting, isn't it? He inhabits or dwells in the praise of his people. Hallelujah. And last, the last point that I want to mention today with this message. Turn to Luke 11. Hallelujah. Luke 11 Verses 5 through 8, my last point having to do with prayer, keys to an effective prayer life, pray with boldness. Pray with boldness. Look at verses 5 through 8 of Luke 11. It says, and he said unto them, now this is, this is a, I guess a, a parable or an allegory I guess you would consider. You know, some of the parables and stuff that Jesus told in some of them, every little thing that he said meant something. But in others, he, he said a, a, a little story, and he only wanted to get you to have one thing out of that story. Just one truth. Some, you can relate to many truths, right? But then, there's other accounts or stories that he told or parables where he just wants you to get one basic truth out of that one, uh, one story. This is the one where he wants you to get one truth out of it. And I'll show you why. Listen to this. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And, from, and he from within, or in his house, shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are all with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise to give him because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. The reason I say every little thing in that account doesn't, that Jesus is not trying to give us the truth in every little verse there. Why? Well, do you think this really uh, talks about our Heavenly Father? Trouble me not. The door is now shut. Don't ask me. That don't even add up. You see what I'm saying? That's not even scriptural. God says, call unto me, and I will answer you. He's always opened the door. Ask, seek, knock. Okay? But here's what I want you to get out of this one right here. Verse 8. It says, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. That word importunity is the key to what Jesus wanted to get across in that one story. What does it mean? It means shamelessness or boldness. 
Jesus is saying, when you pray, come to your heavenly Father. Come to the throne of grace boldly, shamelessly. Know who you are in Christ and come to the throne of grace. Amen. So in there, it's not talking about persistence. Remember, I told you there's some prayers where you're going to have to be persistent. That's not talking about that. It's talking about boldness. It's talking about shamelessness. Let's all stand in this place as we close out today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keys to an effective prayer life. If you put those keys into practice in your prayer life, you will notice a difference. You will see answered prayer. Because it wasn't my opinion. I took it straight from the Word of God. Amen. Now there might be someone in here today you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Friend, the only prayer that God hears is going to hear from you is the one where you're making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Then you can enter into the family of God. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life today, I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray with you personally over here on the right, you're right, and I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Number two, there might be some here who has never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is it? Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, when you were born again, when you were saved, the Holy Spirit came on the inside. But now he wants to endue, endue you with power. He wants to come upon you to have power to be a witness for Jesus. You want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you come down here to the right, and I want to lay hands on you. If you're in this place, and you say, Pastor James, I have been a Christian for years, but I have backslidden. I have fallen away. I fell into sin. And today, I want to make it right. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, I want to pray with you this morning. Come on down to this area in the right. And lastly, if you need a healing in your physical body, if you need a miracle in your life, any other kind of prayer, I want you to come down to the right. Hallelujah. Just worship the Lord as this song plays.
believe me if I say that we are the ones who can make the change in the world today. Don't you believe me if I say that all of the dreams in your heart can come true today. shout this morning for what he's done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Let's listen to this a minute. It's powerful. Spirit of joy all over us. Amen. Now, uh, be sure to show up Wednesday night if you're able. I'll tell you, these video series are going to be a blessing. 7 p.m., 6 p.m. prayer. 7 p.m., 6.45, we're going to show the first video. And then at about 7.15, I'm going to have Brother Wayne. He was going to do last Wednesday, but of course we canceled it because of the weather. So I'm going to let him do his teaching after the first video. He's going to be talking about the revelation gifts of the Spirit. So, very important. Amen. We want to be used. Do you want to be used by the Holy Ghost? Amen. We got to be trained. Amen. And uh, let's see what else. What else here before we go? Remember, if you request a CD of the service today, it'll be ready next Sunday, right? We want to let Chris go home and eat lunch with his family today. So, <laughs> praise God, visitors. Thank you for coming, members. We love you. We love you all. Come on back. Tune into the radio broadcast next week if you're able. Spread the word. Revival starts in you. God bless you.